0: All right, our text in Hebrews 11.31 says that by faith, Rahab received the spies with peace. Now, I think there's a good time for a question. Uh, what is so remarkable about Rahab's faith that she would be mentioned in this distinguished chapter among all of these heroes of the faith? Why Rahab the prostitute and not Deborah the judge I think there's reasons for it. You know, the story is kind of peculiar, and it's even unnecessary in the conquest of Jericho, because as we saw last week, there was no military strategy used against the city. I mean, Joshua was certainly um, developing them, but then uh, the Lord showed up and said, I've got this. And uh, so sending the spies into Jericho wasn't really worth their time. because the city was taken by supernatural means. So why this particular story at all? Uh, What's so noteworthy about the faith of this prostitute? Well, for one, Rahab, it's interesting, she acted in pure faith based upon what she heard about Jehovah, that's all. She believed, declaring him to be the God of heaven, and the God of earth That's amazing It's not like she was evangelized by missionaries going into Canaan Who discipled her in the faith She was a pagan She was living in a pagan city uh, She was cut off from the commonwealth of Israel's theology Her faith was born in the midst of paganism and out of idolatry and Her story is unique And second, Rahab knew who the spies were Right? Right? She knew who they were, uh, where they had come from, uh, what their intentions were. So when she did not report them, but rather received them, hid them, and helped them, help them escape, she was risking her life. Yeah. Just because of what she had heard. Now in the narrative, it was reported to the king that spies had come to Jericho uh, from the children of Israel and entered the house of Rahab. And so the king... He sent a a detachment of men, apparently, to her door, demanding that she bring them out. But Rahab, like the, as we saw with the midwives in Egypt, she hid the truth from the king, saying, I didn't know who the men were, which would exonerate her from treason. And she said that the men left just before the gates of the city were shut, when in fact she had hid them on her roof, and then helped them escape the city that same night. So Rahab, she risked her life because of what she heard about Jehovah. That's, I think, pretty impressive. Yeah, Rahab hid the men and deceived the king because she believed in the God of Israel. She believed that God had given the land to the children of Israel. She believed it was, um, she believed that she was determined to advance the Lord's cause. And that's a lot of loyalty for her someone like her, so I think that's pretty noteworthy, it's amazing, she was prepared to die for what she came to believe in, and I believe that's why she's named among these other heroes of faith, rather than some other women, okay? Now there are some questions of course when it comes to her deception, so i want to address that briefly, be honest about the text, Now, I think from the king's perspective, the king of Jericho, Rahab was a treasonous liar. What do you think? Yeah, from his perspective, okay? But I think from the Holy Spirit's perspective, which transcends the king's perspective, is that Rahab was a believer in Jehovah, a protector of God's people, and a loyalist to the cause of God. Two very different perspectives, huh? Yeah, okay. She was... Anything else, God would not have placed her in the context that he did, Hebrews 11, and he would not have blessed her, as we know from the, history, the, the narrative. Now James uh, also comments on her, uh, her faith being remarkable. He says, likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? So James, looking at it from a little bit different angle, he's saying that her genuine faith was demonstrated or it was proven by her actions, which at first glance seemed to be a bit shady. I think that's being honest about the text. But God, he both honors her faith and her actions by sparing her life and the lives of her family members. And there's much more to this, as we'll see later. So from this passage and others like it, I believe... Uh, that Christians can righteously deceive wicked rulers Especially when it comes to the peril of life Or advancing the gospel under certain circumstances And I realize that some of that's controversial um, I guess that's just the way some of it goes And, and I realize how much fun we could have uh, this morning Wrestling with all these concepts uh, But we'll have to kind of let it lie um, You can listen uh, to... Uh, the teaching from Hebrews 11.23, there's a little bit more there. Um, I've addressed it in the past, but it was a long time ago, and I can't remember uh, what passage of Scripture I had um, used as a platform for it. Um, you can always ask Gabe to spend the next two days looking for it in the archives. Uh, but I guess I would ask you one thing from you, is don't go around telling people that Pastor Ben says that we can lie whenever we want to. Um, I will throw you out of the church for that. <laughs> uh, we need to be careful to define uh, not just these boundaries, but all boundaries, uh, by, what, by what we see honored by God in the scriptures. It's not for us to decide. Uh, so anyway, uh, if you have questions, you can come talk to me about it. Others have, and uh, if we disagree, that's, I won't throw you out for that. How's that? We'll, we'll keep you for just disagreeing. It is kind of funny, though, how some people get, especially you libertarians, uh, when you're like, you mean there's justifiable reasons to rebel? All right. <laughs> no, easy, tiger. <laughs> the scriptures always have to be the final authority on this. Look again at Hebrews 11:31. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with Peace. So no matter how you look at this, Rahab committed treason by receiving, hiding, and helping the spies. She aided and abetted foreigners that were seeking the overflow of the nation. But what she did, she did by faith, and because of, what, because of that, she was spared by God. In fact, as the narrative informs us, this is interesting, Rahab lived on the city wall itself. Did you guys pick that up? Well, there's some implications that are drawn from that. Because remember, the walls came down. It's interesting. Okay. She let the spies down the rope out of her window that was on the wall and it's from that window that she hung that scarlet cord so they could identify where she lived. So apparently, as the seventh day after they marched around the city for all that time and shouted the walls down, all of it collapsed around the city except where her house was. That's crazy. You know, that, that is a miracle within a miracle, right? Yeah, that's a miracle within a miracle. The Israelites could bring the walls down, but they couldn't bring her house down, no matter how hard they shouted, okay? So God's protection was upon her because of her faith, and then God performed this miracle. So her house was left standing. I wish we could see a photograph. After all, the dust settled, and there was just this, Small portion, and uh, very cool. God was in control of exactly how much of that city wall came down, and when it came down. That's good stuff. But Rahab wasn't just spared from God's judgment. We're told that she was then incorporated into the nation of Israel, and then she married a man named Salmon, who was from the tribe of Judah, Well, that's nice, but there's more. Salmon, by Salmon, Rahab gave birth to, guess who? Boaz, who then married Ruth. And Boaz and Ruth had a son named Obed. And Obed gave birth to, well, his wife, gave birth to Jesse. Who's Jesse? The father of King David. Okay. And in his lineage is the son of God, As Paul says, born according to the flesh. And then in Matthew chapter one, verse five, the Holy Spirit does not, he does not hide Rahab's place in Jesus' lineage. I think that is fascinating. Yeah. In fact, four of the women are mentioned in Jesus' genealogy. Uh, Some of them very interesting women. Tamar is the first. She pretended to be a temple prostitute in order to entrap her father-in-law, Judah. The book of Genesis is, it's not, anyway. Rahab was the second woman, and she was a professional prostitute. Bathsheba is alluded to, but her name is not given. Okay, she was certainly no angel, bathing on the roof in view of the palace. Of course, that does not exonerate David either. Mary is the fourth and she's the only virtuous woman named among them. Yeah. My point is this. God receives everyone who trusts in him and he does not hide their relationship to him or to his son, as we see in the genealogy of Jesus. So Rahab, in spite of her ungodly past, was of no embarrassment to Jesus and the father. None. None. According to Hebrews eleven sixteen, 16, God is not ashamed to be the God of any believer. He's not ashamed. And in Hebrews 2, 11, regardless of what any believer has done, Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. I think that's insightful. And Paul is a primary example of all of this. Paul said that Christ used him as a pattern to demonstrate that if God would accept Paul by faith, he would accept anybody. Paul said it like this. He said, this is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life, 1 Timothy 1.16. So uh, perhaps you don't know what Paul did that makes him the chief of sinners. Now I realize some people, they believe that Paul was using hyperbole I'm not so certain Uh, You see because of Paul's knowledge uh, He was held to a higher standard than other sinners A much higher standard Paul was an Old Testament scholar He he knew the Old Testament scriptures Their prophecies And therefore he should have recognized Jesus as the Messiah He should have But instead he hated Jesus And he hated Jesus' people And then in his religious zeal Paul says I became a madman Okay And he went about having Christians imprisoned. Some were tortured until they blasphemed the name of Christ. And Paul even had some Christians illegally, secretly executed. So Paul wasn't some pagan religious figure trying to defend his God or his goddess. He was a student of the word of God who did not recognize the Son of God, even though he had made Jesus plain to Israel, both from the Old Testament prophecies From his life, his teaching, his miracles, his death, his resurrection. There was no excuse for Paul, right? And Jesus said, of all Israel, there's no excuse for you. You should have been ready for my arrival, okay? So for Paul to have the scriptures and do what he did to God's people, it's sickening. There's no excuse for it. So Paul was the worst of sinners. Not sure there's any hyperbole in that, okay? So it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. If God would accept Paul through faith, he'll accept anyone through faith. I'm not afraid to say that. Okay, not at all. If you come to Christ understanding that he died for your sins, when he was nailed to the cross, and that for your full forgiveness and justification, God raised him from the dead, if you trust him for that, he has received you. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. I mean, why wouldn't he receive you? He received Abraham, who was a half-obedient coward, who God later called his friend and made Abraham the father of faith. That's pretty sweet. God received Moses, who was a murderer, who God later made him the meekest man to ever live, and he made him the mediator of his holy law. Yeah. God exalted David to the throne of Israel, knowing in advance that he would commit adultery and murder Uriah. Later, God had his own son named after David. Jesus, the son of David. And then later, Jesus called David the great king. That's amazing. Why wouldn't God accept you if you came to him by faith just as Rahab did? So you've screwed up, you've dishonored the God that gave you life. God is not surprised. Romans 5 says that when we were at our worst, God gave us his best by sending his son to pay our penalty with his blood. When you were at your worst, God gave you his best, his son. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't die for righteous people. There there were none. There was just us. Okay? Just us. And so maybe you fornicated, possibly, but probably not as much as Rahab. Is that fair to say? I think so. And God received her into his family. Don't miss that part. He received her into his family and then he reported it to the whole world. Matthew chapter one, verse five. I think that's sweet. So you're a drunkard, an addict. It only has to be true as it was for Rahab that you by faith trusted in the son of God who suffered for your sins so that you might live. Yeah. So you're a whatever. And whatever you are, you're no one special. Not in this crowd, okay? Not here. You don't stand out. And you know, the truth is we don't care what you are or what you've done. We care that you repent and trust in the Son of God. And If you do that, we won't be ashamed to call you family. Amen. We won't be ashamed. So it doesn't matter what you've done. And neither does it matter what's been done to you. It doesn't matter. You know, other people have guilt for what they've done or what they're doing. But you, you might feel shame for the things that have been done to you as it was probably done to Rahab in a society such as hers. And it's important to know this, Jesus was well acquainted with shame for your sake, for you. You know, they took the purest man who ever lived, the only innocent man that has ever lived, and they falsely accused him, they mocked him, they beat him, they scourged him, and then they stripped him completely naked and nailed him to the cross for all to see. They they openly and they intentionally put him to shame right in front of his mother. Now, I know that you've seen the the pictures of Jesus on the cross wearing a loincloth. That is for PG-13 viewers. Uh, The Romans had no concern for anything like that. The reality is Jesus was tortured to the edge of death and he was hung on a cross completely naked in order to humiliate him. And Jesus subjected himself to that for you, for you. Jesus knew shame. There's an interesting passage in Isaiah 53 that tells us that Jesus didn't just bear our sins at Calvary, he bore our griefs and our sorrows. He took our shame and he carried it to the cross. It's very interesting. And you know, the author of Hebrews says that Jesus, he despised the shame as everybody does and then he endured the cross and it says he did all that because there was joy beyond it. There was joy beyond the cross. The joy was certainly his reunion that he would have with his father and it was the reconciliation of all who would trust in him. That's the joy beyond the cross. Okay. He came to fulfill his father's will. When he was done, he went back to his father and then he began to redeem those who believed. Yeah. So Jesus didn't just die for what you've done. He died for what's been done to you. He suffered in your place. He carried your shame so that through faith he could receive you. So that like Rahab, you might believe and be spared. Okay. Believe and be spared. Now, there were certainly other harlots in Jericho. Don't you think that's safe to say? A society like that. There were other prostitutes in Jericho, but Rahab put her faith in the one true God and she was saved. So God will have mercy on everyone who believes. Now, I don't know how many times it needs to be said to people. Uh, Apparently, frequently, uh, Paul repeated it to the churches. He said it as often as he could. That if you will turn away from sin, no matter what it is, and trust in Christ, God's going to forgive you and receive you into his family, just like Rahab, a harlot, a prostitute. God only rejects those who reject his son. There's no sinner that's out of his reach. The sinner just needs to repent and trust in Jesus. So I always wonder why would you hesitate? The God of heaven, the God who gave you life, the God who sent his son into this world to pay a debt you couldn't pay, purely for your sake, so that he could receive you to himself, why would you not repent and turn to him? Enjoy eternal life. Enjoy freedom. So I, Jesus is too good to beg, but he created you to know him. So that's what I have from the story of Rahab. Um, So why don't you stand and we'll pray. So as I said at the beginning, um, we do have the memorial at three o'clock. If, you, if some of you would please come a half hour, 40 minutes early, um, help us set up and make things nice and beautiful for Jeannie and the family, that would be very sweet. And then if some of you could stay afterward and help us clean up, that would be nice too. Yes, ma'am? Oh, we wanna do it right after church? Okay. Okay, let me get a, a beat on all the young guys that are stout, perfect. I'll stand at the door and make sure they don't leave yeah. so if you could we're going to do it right after service uh, to set up so if you do that that would be very sweet and again I encourage you to come and uh, be a part of it so I have to mention I'm going to mention it in the memorial but last week when I had said that I was confident that Milty was with the Lord you guys started to applaud I have never seen that before I didn't even know how to act but I thought later I thought how appropriate so let's pray, Lord. I thank you for uh, stories of faith like Rahab's, and um, Lord, everybody in here that has repented and trusted in you—they're uh, they're a trophy of your grace, of your mercy and your goodness. They've come by nothing that they've done good, certainly nothing that they've done bad. But Lord, purely because they've trusted in the one who paid their fine at Calvary and then raised from the dead in victory, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to believe and trust you. Regardless of what they've done, regardless of what's been done to them, that they would come to you in faith and embrace you so that they might be forgiven and have life, and live their, the rest of their lives for your glory. So just speak to them, I pray. And, uh, so Lord, I just thank you for your salvation. love you. And Lord, I thank you for my church family, and I just pray that you would continue to give them grace to, to walk in your favor, to be a blessing to you, and, and an encouragement to one another, Lord. So thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.